What's up, guys? This is Jacques, and welcome back to Pop Politically Incorrect, the politically incorrect pop culture podcast. I have your favorite on today, Danny Pellegrino. I've had so many messages about Danny coming on, so I know you're all super excited for that. But before we get into Danny, I need to talk about being snubbed by Spencer Pratt. Well, I actually wasn't snubbed, but I thought I was snubbed, and I really got in my feelings about it and ended up... um, Rage texting is an exaggeration, but... Girl, I was upset, so (laughs) let me get into it. So to give you some background, like, I'm the biggest Heidi Montag and Spencer Pratt fan on the planet. I'm not even joking. You cannot find a bigger Heidi and Spencer fan than me. It's no exaggeration. For me, my obsession with these two started when Heidi launched her music career back when The Hills was on. At the time, I had a really popular music blog back then. I was getting about 100,000 people on it a month at the peak, and I became obsessed with Heidi's music. I was a really big defender of her music and her first album, and I would promote it all the time on my blog. I was like, guys, Heidi Montag's amazing. Anytime she did anything, I'm just like, this is the best song ever. We love Heidi. I was like the only person doing that, because at the time, like, she was kind of considered a joke. It was like, oh my God. Heidi Montag with the auto-tune trying to be the next Britney Spears. Everyone made fun of her and her album is kind of like a little bit of a cult classic with the the pop fans these days. A lot of people love her album, but at that time people were just hating. So I was there. I was one of the only people with kind of a big platform that was going hard for her. And then when Heidi and Spencer left the Hills, I stopped watching because there's no Hills without Heidi and Spencer. They made that show. And then they kind of disappeared off the map. I mean, for most people, they disappeared off the map. Not for me, because I was, like, Googling them every week. Like, those years that Heidi and Spencer disappeared from the public eye, I was following their every move. Like, every TV appearance they did, every interview, every blog article, like... I was keep I was keeping tabs on them. I even watched the show where um it was Heidi and Danielle Staub and someone from The Sopranos and they had to open a restaurant together. It was called Famous Food on VH1. Like I didn't miss anything. Marriage Boot Camp, I watched that one. Celebrity Big Brother, um they went on Celebrity Wife Swap. I watched it all. I would Google their name weekly. I even listened to Spencer's podcast before they had their Spidey podcast, which is the one they have now. Spencer was on this one called The Spicen Hour with someone from Survivor, and I was the biggest fan of that podcast. And then as soon as Spencer left, I unsubscribed because I was only listening to it for Spencer. So after years of them being like kind of off the radar and like washed up, they ended up having a pretty big comeback a few years ago, um, mostly thanks to Spencer when he got huge on Snapchat. So at some point he was kind of like the like the biggest guy on Snapchat, I think. And he used it to launch his crystal brand, Pratt Daddy Crystals. And then of course Heidi and Spencer had their baby, baby Gunner, who well, he's not really a baby anymore, but they had Gunner and it put them like back in the public eye in a big way. They were back on covers, the hills got rebooted, you know, everyone loved Spidey. There were a lot of media media articles about Spidey, and everyone was like, Okay, wow, they're actually nice. Like they're not horrible like we thought you were from the hills and of course i always knew that they were nice but finally the world got to see the real spidey back in the day they ended up following me on twitter um because i guess they just realized i was a ride or die fan i was probably tweeting them constantly i mean you cannot say anything bad about heidi and spencer around me on twitter because 
I will be at you. Like, I defend them all the time. I remember one of my followers actually said to me, he was like, do you do anything else but kiss Spencer's ass? And I was like, actually, no, I don't. Like, (laughs) this is what I do. Uh, And, you know, I would slide into their DMs sometimes to get tea or if, you know, they had a scandal or whatever. I remember Heidi got backlash over something once and I messaged her like, girl, it's all good. Don't worry about them. So they definitely, like know who I am. And at one point, Spencer sent me one of his crystals and a t-shirt, I guess just as a thank you for being a fan. Yeah, so we were cool and it was like that for years. And then fast forward to me having a podcast. And of course, Heidi and Spencer were at the top of my list of dream guests. Like, you could offer me like an amazing A-list interview. Like you could say, you know, do you want to interview Nicole Kidman? I'll be like, no, I want to interview Heidi or I want to interview Spencer. So I slid into Spencer's DMs and I asked him to come on my show and he said that he totally would, but that he was really busy with his own podcast and that he needed to catch up on that first. And then once he did that, I would be the first podcast that he would do. So I was like, cool, I put that in my back pocket. I didn't really want them to come on until closer to the hills anyway, because that would just be better for, you know, impact. So I was cool with that. And then about two weeks ago, I see on social media, Spencer Pratt going on Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop podcast. It was announced and I was like, hmm. But, you know, I wasn't really upset about it because I love Juicy Scoop for one. I'm the biggest Juicy Scoop fan. I've been listening since the start. I love Heather McDonald. And Spencer's been on Juicy Scoop before. They have really great chemistry. Juicy Scoop is a huge podcast. So I was like, look, I know that he said that I would be the first podcast, but hello, he's not going to turn down a huge podcast of someone that he's already friends with, like, to do my flop show. So, I was cool with it. So, I was, like, excited to listen. I'm like, yes, you know, my fave person, Spencer, on my fave podcast, Juicy Scoop, let's get it. So, I turn on the episode and girl. Spencer, right off the jump in this interview, he was like, I get asked to do so many podcasts and I turn them all down. Like everyone's messaging me because it's quarantine. But when Juicy Scoop called, I was like, damn, I've got to be on this podcast because you're a famous person. He's just like hyping up Heather, which I mean, Heather is amazing. But I'm just like shook because I'm thinking, hang on, did Spencer lie to me? Was Spencer just bullshitting me when he said that he was going to come on my show and he just made up an excuse about being busy with his own podcast and now he's on Juicy Scoop saying how he really feels? I was in my feelings. Like, just the tone and the way that he said it, it was just like, it just seemed so shady and I totally took it personally. So I keep listening to the interview and then like a minute later... He's like, everyone has a podcast now. It's not special. You're a real podcaster, Heather. Like, you're huge. You've been doing it for years. Like, you're legit. But everyone else is just like, you know, getting on the bandwagon and there's no money in it anymore. And like, he went in and I'm like, all right. So first I was lied to. And now he's just made me feel so shitty about my podcast And it really stung because, like, what he was saying, I mean, it is true. Like, everyone is starting a podcast now. Everyone, their mama has a podcast. It's completely oversaturated. And I'm new in the game, like, hustling, and it's exhausting, and it's, you know, it's really hard to get it out there. So, hearing those cold, hard truths from Spencer from somebody that I just love was, that was tough. And it played on all of my insecurities because for so long... I've wanted to start a podcast. Like, I wanted to start a podcast like five years ago, and I was always like, oh, 
you know, it's it's too much work or, you know, no one cares. There's too many podcasts out there. Like, why would anyone care about mine? So, it was just hard to hear everything he was saying. And I started getting really upset. I'm like, oh my God, my personal Lord and Savior, Spencer Pratt, has just inadvertently shaded me. And I wanted to cry. I could feel it, you know, deep in my chest. I could feel it welling up. It just really hit me. (laughs) I don't know why. It hit me more than like actual like tragic events in my real life. Like this stung more for some reason. When I'm upset, I'm like kind of irrational. Like, you know, I really get in my emotions. So I was, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, damn, I've been riding for Spencer for so long when he was living in his parents' beach house, drinking tequila, eating burritos. And now he just thinks I'm a fucking flop. And I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. So I jumped on Twitter. I screen recorded uh, Juicy Scoop. I screen recorded the parts where he was shading the small pods. So I messaged Spencer and I'm like, okay, I see how it is. I was writing for you and Heidi pre-Snapchat when you were appearing at the Crazy Horse. I kept your Pratt Daddy crystal on my desk and I don't even believe in crystals. I thought you actually wanted to come on my show. But you know what? It's all good. I'm going to blow up soon and you snubbing me is only giving me more energy to make it. I said something along those lines because I was trying to psych myself into, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So I'm just thinking like, you know what? I'm just going to take this snub and use it to to drive me and to do better and to be better. So I went to bed, I slept it off and I woke up and Spencer had written back and Spencer was like, yo, Juicy Soup's my mom's favorite podcast. She listens every day. I promise I'll do yours. And I had calmed down. So I wrote back and I was more chill and I'm like, you know, it's all good. I love Heather. I love Juicy Scoop. I totally know why you would go on her show. Like, hello, I'm not prioritizing my show over Juicy Scoop. But, uh, you know, I was like, I got in my feelings because when you were shading the small podcasts, I've just been ride or die for you and Heidi. And I took it personally. And, you know, I had a moment and- Spencer, I think he thought it was funny. He seemed to be like laughing. And he said he was referring to celebrities and reality stars all starting podcasts, not, you know, people like me. And he was really nice about it. And he promised that he's going to do my show. And I could tell he was really sincere. It was really just an overreaction on my part, the way <laughs> the way that I took it. So there's no drama. And I actually noticed that he's been retweeting me more since this happened. And he even followed my podcast Twitter account, which is like really tiny. That only has like a couple of hundred followers. I've got my main account, Arcady Blog, which is like six or 7,000. And then I've got my little uh, podcast one that I just started recently. And he followed that. And I guess he's just like trying to make effort. And it's so sweet. And I'm like, that's the Spencer I know. Like, that's the nice Spencer I know, not the shady Spencer that I misunderstood on Juicy Scoop. So, I still love Spencer. I love Heidi. You should go listen to Spencer on Juicy Scoop because it really is a good interview. And I'm actually trying to get Heather on my pod too, by the way, because I am a fan. Um, You know, I'm trying to bring out the big guns, the Dannys and the Heathers, hoping some of the clout will rub off on me. You know, it's hard out here with the podcast. As, As Spencer can tell you, the struggle is real. So anyway, here's my chat with Danny. I know that um, you probably wanted me to do some Housewives recaps this week, but I just skipped it because I just wanted to talk about Spencer. And I just figured like me and Danny are going to talk about Housewives anyway, which we did. Um, So that'll be your Housewives fix. So here you go. Thank you. (laughs) 
So I've got the Undisputed King of Bravo podcasts on today and the man solely responsible for turning every Bravo account into a meme page. It is Danny Pellegrino. You are too kind. (laughs) Hello. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm good. Thanks for coming on. You know, you and Kate Casey are like the only two big podcasters that still do all the small shows and the new shows. Oh my God. Well, I love Kate too. Kate uh, is a a friend and she was so kind to me when I started too. And it was like, you know, it's good to help each other out because, you know, it's, it's, I know it's so rare in showbiz. I always say to anyone because obviously like I work in journalism and stuff. And anytime anyone does something in the, in this industry that's like helpful to another person, it's like shocking (laughs) because it's like not that, (laughs) I don't think it's like common. I know. How are you enjoying it so far? How many, what episode number is this? Um, I think it might be number 15. So I'm still pretty new. I love it. Well, I wanted to start a podcast for so, like, I've literally wanted to do a podcast for like five years or something. And I was always like, oh, there's too many podcasts. Like, it's too much work. I mean, it is like the hardest thing I've ever done because it's still yeah. like, and working a full-time job. So it's like, literally, I don't have a social life. I mean, I didn't have a social life before, but I like really don't have a social life now. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think people maybe don't realize like when you're doing all of the editing and booking and scheduling and then promoting and all of that stuff, like it ends up taking up so much time and, and yeah, it's overwhelming. It's constant. And you know, um, I'm like introverted too. So it's actually, you put a lot of energy out there. So it's sometimes like you do just want to shut off and you're like, you know, I just want to like lay in bed and do nothing. But it's like, oh, the podcast, I've got to, you know, <laughs> I've got and things you, to you do. You want to keep your energy up for it too. And I feel that way even when I'm doing interviews on other people's shows and stuff like that. I've noticed like, I can't do more than two in a day. Like if I do my show and and somebody else's or something, that's it. Because otherwise by the third one, I'm just totally drained and I feel like I'm just sort of sleepwalking through it. So look, I'm an OG fan of yours from before the podcast, back when you were like a little micro influencer with the memes. And <laughs> I don't do the I memes love- as much anymore, but I, I know to do well, more. I'm gonna- I'm going to ask you about that. I have some questions about the disappearance of the memes. And, like, I remember back, I was like, oh, my God, this Danny is so funny. And then I looked you up and I saw what you looked like and I'm like, I want to fuck this guy so bad. He's so cute. And then I found out you had a long-term serious boyfriend. And, look, that was a dark day for me, but it is the the story of my life. I'm Um, sorry. sorry. I think there's also a a coaster, a a large portion of land separating us, but... um. (laughs) Well, you know what? I will cross the seas for anyone. I do want an American boyfriend. So why have you and Matt not got married yet? Because it's been a minute. Yeah, you know, we've been together. I mean, it'll be like 11 years, a couple, a few years, almost three years now we got like sort of unofficially engaged, but neither one of us is really um, wedding people or or marriage people. I'm sure like eventually when we want to have kids and stuff. So I think before we end up doing the kid process, we'll probably go to a courthouse or something. Um, but for the longest time, it was just like, we didn't care about a wedding. We both hate w- the big weddings and all of that kind of stuff. So I think we, we had always thought we would maybe go to a courthouse, but it, none of it just seemed very appealing to us. And we didn't have the money to like do anything special. Like for the past few years, we've just been really hustling, trying to get out of our apartment. You know, we live in California and everything's like crazy expensive. And so, you know, just even trying to get out of our apartment, we always say like, that's where we would want to put our money and not into a wedding. And so, yeah, eventually I think we'll do a courthouse, but it just is like, we we just don't really care. And, And I know a lot of people don't get that. They're like, you guys have been 
engaged forever. Like, what's wrong? I know, what's a courthouse. God. We just don't really so care. not romantic. I know. I know. We also say maybe like we would do Vegas. Like, uh, <laughs> we like the idea of uh, of like just having our close family and friends meet in Vegas and like no pressure to no pressure to like have a party or anything like that. Like everyone could go in the casinos and do what they want for the night. Like and just yeah. doing like a little thing. But yeah, we don't. Oh my God. Well, maybe I'm eventually. Complete opposite. I'm like obsessed with weddings. One of my favorite housewife storylines is like when someone's getting married and they try on the dresses. They bring their family, and then you know they always have like a bad dress, and they're like, "No, no, that's not the one." And then the right one comes out. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't even. I hate dating. Like, I just. So you just want to pick out the dress. You just want to. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just want to. Well, I tried. Thing. Well, I've tried to get on married at first sight and ninety day fiance. I'm like, I'll get married. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that needs to happen. That needs to happen immediately. I mean, yeah, I, I was like, I've got to get on like a reality show and then start a podcast, and then I couldn't get on a show, so I'm like, well, well, it'll yeah, it'll be flip flop. They'll, they'll put you on because you have a successful podcast, so they'll be like, yeah, you know, it'll just be <laughs> I hate, see, friends. I hate the big weddings, and sometimes when on these shows, I recap all of these Bravo shows on my podcast, and it's like there'll be a wedding storyline, and I'm always, I always feel like I'm a downer when it comes to wedding storylines because I just don't give a shit, and people will write me. And they'll be like, oh, I love weddings or how could you hate weddings? I'm like, not that I necessarily hate them. I think people get crazy, especially here in the States. It's like women, all the young, the women my age that I know who've gotten married, they get like fucking nuts. Like they, it's, it's so weird how, and sort of the sociological or psychological viewpoint of, of women when they're getting married here, at least my close group of people that I know, they just get nuts. And I'm like, it, it, ruins it all for me i feel like it's all been ruined like bridezilla's they do get like brides it's like all true like every girl i was just um i i was just telling this story to a friend but my best friend was was supposed to get married earlier this year and i was supposed to be like her man of honor and she was doing this big thing and it was the pandemic so she had to scale back but the pandemic hit like two weeks before we were supposed to do a big bachelorette weekend and so we had to cancel the bachelorette weekend, but no one was like refunded for all of the stuff. Everyone had paid to travel to go to bachelorette weekend. And the wedding itself was going to be a, a long distance wedding. Like people were going to have to travel to it. So everyone was in the wedding party was spending so much money on it. And the bachelorette weekend got canceled. And one of the other girls in the bachelorette party had emailed me and asked me to buy a pitch in to buy a Peloton for the bride because she said that their bachelorette weekend was canceled and they felt bad. And I was like, at the day that I got the email asking me to buy a Peloton, my boyfriend had just lost his job. I was like, my tour was canceled. And I'm like, I'm not buying anyone a fucking Peloton. Like, like it's, we already have enough to, we've already lost enough money on this wedding. And it wasn't even, they weren't even saying it as in place of a gift. It was like, just as a, a thing because the nerve the of thing, some people like people get fucking nuts like the women in bachelorettes and women they get crazy and i i think it's absurd to think i've already spent hundreds of dollars thousands even on this stupid thing that never even happened and now you want me to buy someone a peloton like it's crazy I know. I don't even agree with having location weddings because I feel like you actually do need to think of the guests. Like, you can't expect everyone to come and, like, travel to you. And it's not – to be honest, a wedding isn't really just about you two. It really is sort of a celebration about everyone. So, like, don't fucking go and get married in, like, Guatemala or something right. and then expect everyone to, like, fly over and yeah. pay for a hotel. I know. It's one thing – if it's, like, just you and the, the groom and maybe, like, your immediate family, but anytime you have yeah. other people involved, it's like 
like people get so selfish with weddings and and they make it it's not even about the relationship it becomes about like the party and it's just crazy so look you're from ohio uh when did you leave middle america for your new life in west hollywood um about uh i don't know 12 years ago now or something like that i lived in chicago before i moved to los angeles so it was like i had kind of like a taste of a little bit of a city you know chicago's not nothing like new york but it's it's a much more city life than where i grew up in ohio and um so i lived there for a couple years and then i moved to california maybe 12 12 13, 12 years i don't know it's been a while now but over 10 and years were you, for sure. were you just doing like stand up in the groundlings and stuff then yeah, when I lived in Chicago, I was doing like stand up and sketch and I was taking classes at like Second City in Chicago. And uh, then I moved to LA and I started doing the groundlings here. And I went through that whole program, uh, which is like, a it, it takes a while and it's a long thing. And then it, nothing was really working out for me. So I, um, I kind of thought I'd give up performing completely. I thought I'm done getting on a stage because I was doing these like improv and sketch shows for no audience. It was like three people would be in the audience. And were they really cringy? Oh, so cringy. Like, am I, yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, I, only, I only know about the ground links from like the comeback. So that's like my reference. <laughs> you know that? Do you remember that on the season two when they go to the ground links on the comeback? That was filmed like right after I had basically gotten let go from the program. They filmed that episode and the comeback is my all time favorite show. And so I know a lot of. Too. I know a lot of the people that were in that scene and I had just been cut. So I was like, I remember watching that episode just being like devastated, but whatever. You know, I was looking at their website. I mean, uh, by the way, I would freaking die because I love the comeback as well. So to miss out like a ca- comeback ca- cameo would just be like heartbreaking. Yeah. I went on their website actually, and they had like this hip hop improv class. It was hip hop improv 101 for <laughs> 300 bucks. And you learn how to rap in character and perform emotionally driven rhymes. Were you doing yeah classes like no, that i never did that one specifically but i definitely did like a lot of you know it, it it's it's an art form that in chicago it really is like an art form like if you go see improvisation in chicago they it's just a different kind of vibe when you do it here in los angeles everyone is doing it to like get an agent or get a tv show or something so it's it's already cringy i think in general but then when you add in this thing of like everyone on stage is trying to do their big characters and like stand out and stuff like that. It's just, it becomes such a clusterfuck. And yeah, I, I loved it. I met a lot of like really funny, wonderful people who a lot of whom are really successful in the, in the comedy community, but it's like, it is embarrassing. And sometimes you, you know, you're doing these shows for there's, Improv shows, there's more people on the stage than there are in the audience. And it's just like, <laughs> what, what is happening? What? What <laughs> what kind of stand up were you doing? Like what what was in like one of your stand up sets? Like what what were the uh, topics? I I talked a lot about my family, which it's interesting now. I I sort of I do these little bits in my show about in my podcast now about my family, and I sort of they're crafted similarly to like how I used to do stand up. It's just like stories about my family in in the Midwest, and um yeah, nothing um similar to everything I'm I do now. It's just. It's it's more like shticky when you're doing it as stand up yeah, and you have a shorter amount of time, so it's everything is kind of rushed. So when did you start the ghost writing? Because I remember when I first started following you, I think it was you were writing the Bob Harper book or you're about to release it at that point. Were you already doing like celebrity ghost writing before then? No, you know, I, I had been making like a lot of memes and stuff on my Instagram account and and kind of like writing via 
social media. And I had written that, like, I wrote for a, a box office site where I would write some movie reviews and stuff like that. But like, you know, very nothing super, nothing like a book or anything like that. And I had met Bob at my gym, actually, we worked out together. And at the time, he was like <laughs> looking for, uh, he was looking for a, um, a writer to work with that was like, would be able to infuse more comedy into his work. The initial idea for the book when I came on board is like, they wanted it to be a serious diet book, but then they also wanted to show like showcase like more personality from him. So at least this was my take on it. And then it, it kind of shifted. He ended up having a heart attack, like in the middle of the process. So like ultimately the book was not funny. Like there's like, no, <laughs> no jokes at all, but it's just like, you know, it, it kind of went a different way than it had anticipated, but he had like brought me to his publisher and he's like, I think this guy would be good. And, and then I had to like write samples and, and stuff to like, cause I hadn't written a book. So I had to <laughs> prove to the publisher to like, I could, I could do it. I'm even though I, they would do it, that they would give you that chance. You would think they'd be like, you've never written before. Like, no, yeah, there was like a clause in my initial contract that was like, because the way book payments are, it's like, it, you don't get everything up front. So I, I think, I can't remember the exact details, but there was a clause that like, if they had to hire like a, a fixer or whatever, I forget what they called it. But um, if I couldn't basically do it, then I wouldn't get the second half of my payment, which was the majority of it. And so, you know, I really had to work, but I had to submit like samples and uh, I had to write like a large portion of the book before I even got like a, um, an agreement or anything like that. And I worked my ass off. Like that was really a challenging thing because I hadn't written a book. And then also it's a very like dense book because it's a lot of nutrition stuff and a lot of uh, facts. And it's not like creative writing. It's more uh, like a research mm. paper, an extended research paper. And so it was just like really a challenging project. And then to add on top of that, he w he had gotten a heart attack in the middle of it. It was just like a, the whole project. I love him and I'm, I'm proud of what we ended up with, but it was just like a, a pain in the ass. Yeah, well, your so your podcast with the memes, that's how you really blew up. And your memes were so funny. And it is it is really hard to do a funny meme because everyone does memes now. Most of them are horrible or they're just so basic. Really, the only funny meme accounts are yours and uh, Reality Guy. I love him. Um, yeah. His yeah, are so his, unique. Like, that's yeah. why they're they're good. Yeah. His are great. And um, obviously, you don't do as many memes now. Were you kind of... Did you sort of feel like, all right... My podcast is blown up now. I don't have to like slave over memes every day now. Well, no, it wasn't even that. It was just like in terms of the Bravo meme culture, it started to feel like the episode would come out and every the, the one scene that normally there would just be a few of us kind of memeing the shows, uh, suddenly it felt like it was a race to get that meme out. And so you would start to see, and I still see it a lot, like people who meme where they they use their phone and video the screen instead of like getting it from the episode because they, they're like trying to get it up first instead of making it look good. And I know it sounds so silly to talk about like memes in that way, but it just started to feel like I, I'm not going to like race to get a meme out. <laughs> you know, like it was just, it was too much. And so I still do it. Like if I feel, if I find something or something strikes me as funny, like I, I will, but I, it just, it started to feel like a competition instead of like me just expressing myself that way. 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me how much memes are a part of the whole. I mean, I, not even Bravo, like 90 Day Fiance, like the whole thing. Like, it, it's all around like meme culture. Like, even on my Instagram, because my IG is new, my podcast is new. If I do a meme, like, it gets so much more engagement than if you would just do anything else. And I'm kind of like, you know, oh, I should, maybe I should be doing like memes every day to like build the page and build the podcast. But it's just like, fuck, like, do I have to slave over a meme every day? Like, yeah, it's and a lot. When I was growing, I used it, like you said, to grow all of it, to grow the social media and to grow my podcast. And it, w- I, I would try to post something every single day on Instagram. That was like my goal. And for, I think like two years, I did every single day. And, it helped grow, but it's hard. Like it, it, it's time consuming. And then I don't know, it's, it sounds so stupid to complain about it, but it's like, (laughs) it really does take up time. And, and, and like I said, I, I don't, I would hate to like screen grab or something. So like I would download the episode and then cut it and, you know, it just ended up taking time. But I, I like the, you mentioned reality guy and it's like, I love, him or or Joe Gunn, I think on I I don't know his exact handle, but I feel like they offer like creative, very creative memes that are different, and and it doesn't feel like they're just taking the same clip that a hundred other accounts are using. Yeah, absolutely. So you've like branched out a lot actually recently, um, and incorporated kind of like a lot of like non Bravo content into your brand, like uh, your love of like rom coms and daytime TV and everything. And do you do you ever feel like? So I watch you as a fan. I'm like, do you feel like obligated sometimes? Like, God, I need to have like this amount of Bravo, but really, I just want to be talking about Rosie O'Donnell. Like, as does it become like a bit of a chore sometimes? Yeah, you know, I love I love all of it, and so I. I really try and I maybe I'm not always good at it, but I always just try to like do what I like and whether it be on the podcast or social media, it's like I just post what I like or talk about what I like. And a lot of times people will complain, you know, like if I have an interview with somebody else, you know, someone who's a a celebrity or, or not in the Bravo world, people will say like, I don't want that. And I get it. I get it. But my theory is like, just skip ahead I try to put the timestamp in or go to the next episode. I do two a week. So if you don't like this one, go to the next one. And you, I just found that you can't please everyone. And I, I like all sorts of stuff and I don't want to box myself in to feel like I can only talk about Bravo, especially because I, I, who knows where all of this is going to go? Who knows how long Bravo is going to be along or, or housewives? Like I want to be able to cover other shows. I, I did the bachelorette. I think we were tweeting about it it's like yeah i covered that last season or i've covered other shows so that i i can do whatever i want if you know and and hopefully people follow along and if they don't want it i get it well i mean i think it's important because you know i was thinking about it really if say the housewives ended so they go look you know and i feel like it's, it's a little bit on a decline anyway so many podcasts and Instagram accounts and stuff would vanish. They wouldn't have any content. So, like, you really do need to branch out, like, even just to think for your future. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're like, you can't yeah. just rely on this one thing. Yeah. Do you um do you feel pressure to always be, like, so nice? Because, like, obviously that's your personality. But now you, but it's, like, become your brand now as, like, the, the nice guy. So, do you ever feel like sometimes you just want to be an asshole, but you can't? I don't – I mean, I, I – think I get out the asshole, maybe just not so much on like social media or whatever, but I definitely like have that in me and I, I get it out. I don't feel like I'm like keeping it inside. 
so you know i don't know maybe it comes out on my significant other or my family or something (laughs) but like i i don't yeah when i when i do go to my podcast and stuff i try to be a positive and stuff like there's times though that i'm not and it is what it is and people yeah i don't know what's the meanest thing you've ever done I'm not nice to the, I'm not, I don't like the men. I, I'm tough on the men on Bravo. I, so like, cause I feel like the women get it enough. Like we see online, people tear apart the women's looks, their, the way they talk, their jobs, everything. And I, so I feel like the men should be at least able to take it more. So like, I'm not, I'm tough. If I'm talking about like the Southern charm guys or Vanderpump rules or something, I'm not, I'd never bite my tongue when it comes to, particularly the straight men on Bravo. So <laughs> I have such a crush on Austin, so I can't be mean oh, to him. God, he's Austin. the worst. I hate <laughs> him. I hate him. Oh, he's awful, I but I just him. think he's so cute. Oh, I don't find him like not even a little bit. I don't get it. I, I don't find him like even telegenic in any way. Like I don't get <laughs> how he's become sort of like the center of this show in a lot of ways. Like he's, I, I don't know. I guess Craig is like the narrator now. But Austin, I'm like, I just don't. And the Austin Madison stuff, like, I'm so exhausted by it. And, like, I think it's crazy. I don't know. I don't like well, it. Well, I, I mean, I love everyone that everybody hates. So, that's on brand for me. I was trying to get Ashley on to do – she oh was going to come on my show. Ashley from was, Southern Charm. Yeah. I was like, I want the Ashley tell-all. Like, I want, <laughs> I want the Ashley put it all out there. And we were talking and she was supposed to do it. And then she ghosted me, which kind of didn't surprise me. Like, there are certain celebrities that ghost you and you're like, I'm not surprised, like, right. that you just vanished into thin air. <laughs> what is she – where is she even now? I don't know um, what she's up to. She's like, she's got it together. She's like a nurse. She's helping people in the pandemic. She won like a nursing award. She's happy with some guy. I actually feel like she got, she was crazy, but I do think she got a bit of a bad rap. I mean, I think it would have be, would have been tough uh, dating Thomas in a toxic, probably like emotionally abusive relationship uh, and then having cameras in front of you. And then also, you know, I think she was, I feel like she was set up to like perform a lot on the show. Like I think they dangled the show in front of her a bit. Like, oh, maybe you'll be a full-time cast member. And, you know, I think if I recall to- like her last season too, it really felt like they had, they brought her in at certain points to spice things up. Cause it was like yeah, boring and going slow. And it, I felt like that last season she was on there. Were, she would not be on for like three episodes and then she'd come on and just like, storm <laughs> through the scene and then be gone. I don't even remember what was happening in the, but they, she just came in like a wrecking ball and then it like gave everyone else something to react to. I know. Well, I hope we see Ashley back. And I mean, I was going to say, I hope she's on my podcast, but Southern Charm's almost over. So there's no point. So you missed that one, Ashley. Who else is on your dream uh, list? Like, I'm sure you have a list of people that you're. Um, I have like I have a weird list of people that it's like too high that's like unrealistic. Like Pam Anderson's my favorite uh celebrity of all time. So Pam Anderson for sure. And it's weird. Um Spencer Pratt, who is supposed to do my show. I actually have a story. I what I'm telling it at the start of the show, so I won't go in it now. But like I thought he snubbed me and I like mess I was like upset. I'm like, oh so <laughs> like I went off on him and he's like, No, dude, it's it's a whole thing, but I'm weirdly obsessed with, like, Spencer and Heidi. Like, I love them. Like, Spencer sent me a crystal from his thing once a few years ago, and I don't even believe in, like, crystals or any of that shit. And, like, I kept it on my computer at work. For <laughs> I love that. You know, I did, I did their show here and um, their podcast, and they were both so sweet. 
Yeah. I know. I love them. I was jealous when they, um, because I'm so obsessed with them, when they had that image makeover and everyone started liking them, I was like, I felt like something had been taken away from me because I'm like, I loved them when everyone hated them you, when wait, there so were nobodies. You, like you just like all of the people hate, people hate. Like that's, you're <laughs> just like, oh, they are hated. Let me like them. Uh, it's just natural. No, I see. I see the good in them. Like what everyone ended up seeing in Heidi and Spencer when everyone started loving them from Snapchat and stuff. You know, I saw that all along. So, what's I'm going on with the Hills season two? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, there was a rumor that they were going to do like summer house style. They're going to like lock them in together or something. And I don't think they're doing that. They started filming it, and then. COVID stuff kept changing. It's going up and down. So, look, I think they're, like, filming it in chunks. Who knows how it's going to turn out. I know that Brody is going to be a big part of it. It's it's weird. I know you've talked about The Hills before and you were like, I didn't like it, but, like, I want more of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. thought it was a terribly produced season of television, but I want more. Yeah, I feel like um, the th- my problem with it was that they- I didn't like that they were trying to recapture the magic of the original and, you know, having them go out to bars and stuff. I would have rather have seen it be more like a Housewives type show, you know, like them married with kids and stuff, but then still having drama, like a younger Housewives type thing. But instead, they were sort of like, mm, we're Vanderpump rules. And it's like, oh, it doesn't really work. Right. <laughs> it didn't seem like they knew what they were even doing. I, I think they- started to maybe figure it out at the end and then it was yeah. over so like you're always working on a bunch of stuff i know that you're such a hustler you're always like pitching things and writing projects and have stuff in the pipeline do you see yourself doing the podcast like really long term or are you do you want to do like a wendy williams pivot you know <laughs> daytime tv or something i mean i'd love it if yeah they offered me a daytime show of course but <laughs> uh yeah i mean i see it at least for the near future i don't see stopping anytime. But um, yeah, I like doing it. I like having the outlet. And, you know, everything is so slow in the industry. It's like, it take everything just takes forever. And so I like the immediacy of podcasting. And I have complete control over it. I'm not, I have guests, but I do a lot of episodes that are just me. And it's like, I, I like that I can just get behind a microphone, record and release it and not have to worry about holding off or, you know, with book projects or movie stuff. It's like just so slow. Everything is takes forever. What do you think about the state of Housewives right now? Because I'm really, really up and down on it. Um, I've actually been a bit of a negative Nancy the last few weeks, which I really don't want to do. I don't want to be that person that comes on and like whinges about the Housewives. You know, you want to have fun with it. But I don't know. Like, I love Potomac. I loved Beverly Hills. A lot of people didn't like Beverly Hills, but I was like riveted. I liked the season too. I I thought it was good too. Yeah. I and I love OC, which I'm the one OC oh, stand, but I'm going I'm going hard for OC. Love it. But a lot of the other ones I am not I hate Salt Lake City. I think it's awful. See, I think it's one the of the worst. I love Salt Lake. I, I know we are the we are the opposite. It's so overproduced. It's it's just I just think it's so fake. They're so self-aware now. And I kind of feel like we're reaching a point with the housewives overall where it's they are so self-aware that it really is a different, it's a different show. It's not the same show at all. Right. Well, I think with the production stuff, you're right. A lot of stuff can feel so way too overproduced now. The thing that I like about Salt Lake is there are, I think there are a lot of moments that kind of come through, specifically like Whitney's family life, like with her dad and stuff like that feels well, it's very- the only real storyline on the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, but that feels really real to me. And then I like the- I like the dichotomy of like that with the overproduced of like 
that Jen yeah. Shah is just like so overproduced, but like I almost find it com like I like I almost like it because it is that much, if that makes sense. It's like it's so crazy produced that it's like she's we're watching a performance. And so that is fun for me when ordinarily in other franchises, like I, you're right. I feel similarly if a, a housewife's overproducing, it's like, okay, enough scale it back. But I don't know. I, I, I also find like the snow, I love the snowy setting of Salt Lake city. And I, I love most of the cast. I, I really just seem li- like I like, I love Heather. I love Whitney. I love, Heather, I like yeah. them a lot. Meredith, I find to be like a bizarre, interesting creature that I'm fascinated by. Like, I find it borderline unwatchable. Like I put it on in the background. Like I think it's horrible. Jen Shah, I think I think Jen Shah is possibly going to torpedo the entire Housewives franchise. No, I no. I think she'll she, scale back next season. I think she knows that she's overdoing it. I don't know if she can. I just think she's too thirsty. You know, and when I say about the overproducing as well, like I just saw, I could not believe she admitted this. Deandra in page six, she said that she takes down notes before a scene of what she wants to say and what she wants to happen in the scene. Then she she gives it to the producer so the producers can remind her in the scene if she hasn't hit all of her points. And I'm like, for fuck's sake. I'm like, this is- That was on page six. Yeah, she I'm surprised said it on they record. didn't cut that because normally I've had you know, when I have the housewives on or, or any Bravo people on, like I like to ask about the behind the scenes stuff, and you a lot of times the PR who's on the line with me or or in the room or whatever they'll be like, "Hey, can you cut that about the?" I know, I action? I'm shocked that they put that out, and why I liked OC. I feel I like mean, wait, I'm, just not to interrupt you, yeah. but I bet you they just. The Dallas PR, they're like, oh, fuck, let them do whatever they want. The ratings are bad. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) They probably wasn't even a PR person in the vicinity. Well, I know. I think some of them do go rogue and they will do an interview without the PR. So, it it probably was one of those. Like, I think, you know, Deandra likes the limelight. So, she's probably excited to get into page six. (laughs) I'm sure she got a strongly worded email from Bravo about that. (laughs) No, I was just going to say about OC, one reason that I loved... OC so much was it reminded me of the really early seasons of OC, um, even when they got separated from the pandemic, because it was like, we're just following their lives. And I felt like they had interesting things going on, like Shane almost died. Gina had her, um, you know, the domestic violence stuff, which was interesting. Elizabeth had the cult, like they all kind of had something going on. So it's like they all had things going on in their lives. And when they did have drama, it was more like natural it wasn't like oh my god i'm um gonna show up and f- you dump a punch bowl on your head you know so i found it really refreshing <laughs> i just don't like the chemistry on orange county to me it's like i see what you're saying with their individual stuff but it to me every time they get together even the finale i was like watching them at that beach party and there were there were so many moments where they're just sort of like standing around and it you can tell even though i understand in the world of housewives like that's the bit is like people are put together and they're not always going to be people that are going to be best friends. But to me, just seeing that finale and watch them all just sort of stand there. It's like, I don't believe that Shannon would ever be hanging out with any of those women or Bronwyn would ever be hanging out with any of these women or Kelly or any of them. None of them seem like they all seem like are on separate shows. So that's what I don't like about it. One thing I have to say to give props to Kelly Dodd, I She's really grown on me throughout the season because she is so unproduced. Like, I really enjoyed at the reunion when she went at it with Andy because it's like, you really can't 
you really can't control Kelly. You know what I mean? And like, even though she says fucked up stuff that, you know, totally don't agree with and it's awful. But then when you're in a world of people like the Jen Shahs or the, even like a Meredith who was so controlled and measured on camera and stuff, it's like to have something like a Kelly Dodd in the franchise that isn't so produced is kind of like, I think it's refreshing. You know, not to change the subject at all, but I had listened to your interview with Tamara because I, uh, you know, I know I knew you had liked her and I love it was a great interview. And I was one of the people who was saying Tamara needs to go last season. Like I did not like her. And, uh, I thought I was feeling like she was getting to be too produced at the end of last season. And then this season now, of course, I'm like, oh, we need Tamara back. Um, but before I had her on my show, I listened to your chat with her and I, I found her very like refreshing. And so I went into my chat with her. I was excited because of that interview. I thought it was a great, I thought it was great. Your Thanks. It was, it was good for me. It was good for my first interview because I had interviewed her for my day job before and we were sort of friendly on Instagram. I wasn't as nervous like talking to her. So it was a good one for me and just being, because she's my favorite housewife of all time, it was just like a good one to like ease me in. And I'm so thankful that she did it. Cause I mean, I didn't, my podcast wasn't even out yet. Like, you know, so for her to, to, to do my show, um, I'm super like grateful for that. Like if she ever comes back on the show, even if she does something horrible, I'll never say anything bad about her because I'm like, you know what? Like, she helped put my podcast out there. So, I just feel like... (laughs) But, you know, from me getting to know her as well now, I I message her quite a lot on Instagram. She really is who she is on the show. Like, I and I actually think that... I think there's a lot of things on the show that I always thought from her were produced, which there are things that she would do because she knows how to stir the pot. She's like Kenya Moore in that regard. But there's a lot of other stuff where I'm like, I thought that was fake, but now that I kind of know her, I'm like, that's actually her. Like, she is, like, very reactive and very sensitive and stuff. (laughs) She's so divisive. It was interesting. I didn't even think I realized when after having her on, like, the messages I got more so than any other person I've had on my show. It was like... She's very divisive. And and it was interesting. What, what really struck me was like so many people were like saying, why would you have her on? No one wants to hear from her. And then it was like the most downloaded episode I've ever had. It was like, well, obviously some people, you guys are listening. And I, you know how you could see like yeah. when people, what point of the podcast people tune out or tune in. And it was like, you're all listening to this. But you're well, I saw you on YouTube it. when I was in researching you for this interview, I saw even on your YouTube views, I think hers was the highest one I saw of the interviews you had uploaded. Yeah. Like- and, and, and most people listen, but I put everything on YouTube too. And yeah, it, the same thing. And if you look on the YouTube comments, it's like, we we don't want her back. And I'm like, well, like literally, it, and not even just like more downloaded than any other one. I'm talking like, it was more downloaded than Bethany, Andy, Candy, like the whole oh my god so so that just makes me think like well wait i'm confused you know and and i got people people were so i got so many messages that were so aggressively mean like (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing um okay so moving away from the housewives oh actually wait one more oc question so how do you feel about Bronwyn? I know I listened to your recent episode. You said you're sick of her. Oh, I'm kind of obsessed with her. Like I just the amount of content she's giving us. I'm like it's incredible. We've never seen anything like this. This is truly like uncharted territory. We've never seen anything. I've never. I I can't even believe it. And they called it out at the last reunion of like Bronwyn's addicted to fame, and she just sort of said yes. Like so, I I don't think she's even not aware of it. Like she is 
being very upfront about it. And it is, you're right, giving us a lot of content, but it's a lot. It's just like a lot. She goes number one on Daily Mail. Like I check it. She's the number, she'll be like the number one story on Daily Mail. Well, so it's that thing now. She's the divisive one. I think she knows what she, in some crazy world, she knows what she's doing and they won't get rid of her. I mean, I, I believe that the rest of the cast wants her gone like i don't think anyone wants her there but there's no way they'd get rid of her now because she's number one she's the show yeah she's really driving so much of the story whether we all hate her or not it's like she's just i don't think they're getting rid of her or kelly dodd i don't think they're getting rid of either of them i know some people think kelly will be gone i don't think so yeah i i don't i i i don't know there was some stuff i i started to notice the past couple days there's been that whole groundswell of people kind of like on social media calling for her to go. But I always think of that quote where um, it's like, what, only 10% of people are really on social media. So although it Mm -hmm. might seem like that's the consensus, it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's like she said it at the reunion. I haven't lost any followers. (laughs) She said that to Andy. So, well, and even though I I disagree with everything she says, I mean, like almost everything she's said that Andy has called her out on, like, I feel similarly, like a lot of it to me is just disgusting, vile yeah. things. But, um, you know, I think people, middle American people who are watching, they're not, fi- I don't mean to just say middle America, but people who are watching aren't necessarily even aware of the things that she's saying and doing on social media, unless it comes up on the show, which sometimes they'll show something. But for the most part, I think like, people are learning about her social media problem by watching the reunion and hearing it come up. So I I don't know, but I don't know that she should still be on the show. It's just, I I don't know that they'll get rid of her for social media. Yeah. Well, it's a good point. Like people like us that are very online, we forget that the, the normal person is just like, they're just watching the show. Like they're they're not like on Twitter. I mean, we're sitting here on podcast discussing, (laughs) analyzing every minute of it. And so, we follow everything. You know, I just recorded my episode and I was talking about the Madison, Jay Cutler, that whole thing, you know, she was yeah. posting about today. And it's like, I don't think everyone really knows about that. Like, but the Bravo world, we all go nuts. Like I have friends texting me and like, we're on Twitter <laughs> about it and Instagram DMs and everything. So what do you think of uh, a Below Deck? Because I only just got on board with it this season. I'm obsessed with it. Like, I think it's like the best thing on Bravo. I'm new to it too. You know, I don't, this season I've been saving to binge because I don't cover it on my show. And so I've been, oh. I've been purposefully like waiting until the season's over to binge it because I, it, it's become like maybe my favorite show to just watch on Bravo. And I, yeah, I think it's really entertaining and it's, it's interesting to me how, big it has become because now it really does if you look at the ratings out outrate most of the house i think all of the housewives mm. now and um and they have all these offshoots sailing yacht is coming yeah, back did you see even. the new sailing yacht trailer yeah it, it, it looks I mean, it like look, a hot mess it, it looks, looks like vanderpump okay. rules yeah i think it looks good i think that from me watching that trailer i'm like yeah that is like the vanderpump rules version of of the below deck whereas the main ones are a bit more mature but i'm so into it i find it far less produced than the other shows i think you get more of a variety of characters like it's funny you get you get to see all the nice food that they make it's got drama it's got people hooking up like it's kind of got everything uh i think there's also less of a chance of being let down with it because you know what the setup of every episode is going to be so when you get those dramatic episodes 
it's almost like a surprise. It's like an exciting Christmas Day surprise. Whereas on Housewives, we've almost come to expect every episode to be very explosive. And so we get let down more easily. It's like lately, I feel like every time I'm putting on Atlanta or Orange County or Dallas, whatever it is, it's like I get let down. I leave the episode. I'm like, that's it. But below deck, it's like I go into the watching knowing, okay, I'm going to see a new charter and we'll see what happens. But I'm not expecting high drama. Yeah. So, um, okay, off reality TV, did you watch the Keisha Cole versus Shanti versus? I saw like half of it. I had to do, I I was doing like this Watch What Crappens virtual show. So I I saw like the first half of it. And yeah, I loved, I, well, they were late. It wasn't, it was like an hour late, but. They were late and it was, it was so funny. I was watching with my friend because I'm the biggest Keisha Cole fan. I love Ashanti too, uh, both of them, but I'm like a hardcore Keisha Cole fan. I was so pumped for it. And they were both so rude. Like Ashanti was just on her phone whenever Keisha's songs were on. And, uh, people, people were saying on Twitter, they were like, she's like, you know, she may have been going off camera to, you know, pay a visit to, you know, Bronwyn Wyndham Burke. Like, oh my God, wait, they were saying, I didn't even see that. Yeah, they were like, oh, Keisha's, you know, getting up and going to the bathroom quite a lot, like, during this. And I didn't know that. Well, I noticed she was getting up all the time, but I'm so into her music and stuff. I was just like, this is the best. And then when I saw the the feedback, I was like, hmm. But she was getting up. Ashanti was just sitting on her phone. Like, they was, were both so rude. It was very different it. than, like, the Brandy and Monaco or Patti LaBelle. And it was like, it was in that way. I was surprised that both of them seemed checked out. Even... When they were playing the opposite songs, they just weren't engaging at all. It was like strange. I know, and um, but it was okay, a good so you- celebration of the music, though. I love all that Ashanti. I love both of them too, but um, the Ashanti stuff just really felt like a lot of ways, like my high school years and all of that. Oh, just, for sure, people. Yeah. I think we're the same age. Like to you know, Ashanti was you know was our youth. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> she I, really I, was. always like she always had a song out throughout I, probably my entire high school years. Yeah. Um, so your favorite diva is Mariah, obviously. Who's your least favorite pop diva? Oh, my least favorite. Uh, I don't know. Who do I, I don't even know who would my options be? Um, I love a pop diva. So like I. So the never, you've never been the, like that Stan Twitter person that's had that one that you just really hate. No, oh, oh, I can't no. stand Katy Perry or whatever. No, but I, I actually really like Katy Perry, but I did get attacked by her Stan Twitter once. Like <laughs> her, I literally, I, what do they call it when like they were all coming after me because I had posted, um, you know, I love Joy Behar from The View. Yeah. I had posted like a, a video of Joy Behar's like hat flying off, like, and I said something about like a Katy Perry song. This is me listening to it. And I meant it as a compliment, but I don't think pe- people who don't follow me don't know that I like, like Joy Behar. So they, they thought I was like making fun of it or something. So then I started getting like messages, like attacking me and like pulling up old tweets of mine about Katy Perry that weren't even mean that were like, they were saying we're mean and i was like no guys i like her (laughs) they're they're horrible i actually i used to be a pop pop music blogger back like 10 plus years ago when the blogs were like a big thing and my blog was really big and i would never do it now because of the pop stan twitter is it's just it's it's too much i don't like it you know that music journalists now they uh a lot of them if they do a bad review they can't leave their byline it has to just be like staff reporter because the stands will like I don't we'll like that find at them. All. 
yeah, it's 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 just so evil. You know, um, I thought Housewives at, at that point. I had thought Housewives because I remember in the Bethany Carroll thing. I I remember getting a little bit of like very mean messages about it, and Housewives Twitter has gotten a little bit where it's like you can't insult anyone anymore. Or mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe you feel similarly back in the day with these shows, like even five years ago or something. You could hate someone one episode and the next minute, the next episode, you love them. And now it's like, if you say anything bad, like that person's faves will come after you on Twitter. And it's like, well, no, I just, I like that person, but this episode, they were being an asshole or boring or whatever. And I, know, I don't it, like that aspect of it. It's it's a little, well, I got called racist all season because I didn't like Garcelle. Well, I actually liked Garcelle at first, but I didn't. When she had the falling out with Kyle, I was on Kyle's side. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was just attacked all season. So it's <laughs> it hard. Was like it's, it's online some, as, it's, you know. Sometimes you don't want to like weigh in. Um, okay. I don't know if you'll answer this. Worst everything iconic guest or worst celebrity encounter? <laughs> uh, my worst guest I am only going to, uh, <laughs> I just had one recently. I, I don't mean this cause I'm now I'm scared that they're all going to, her fans are going to come after me, but my interview with Bethany was just challenging. And, and again, I'm so incredibly grateful and I love her. I worship Tron Roney, mm. but it just, the interview itself, we just, it, there were issues and we like weren't connecting. And so I'd say that was like, it was just a very tough one. I I, more than any other one that was like incredibly challenging. I was going to ask you about that. Were you really nervous? Cause she's such a big personality. You must've been shitting yourself. Oh yeah, I was. And also there, it, it was just tough all around. There was like restrictions as I'm sure, you know, it's like, I oh, yeah. hate when there's restrictions in general. I could tell just listening because there were, you weren't really asking housewives stuff or anything at all. So I'm like, Hey, he's not allowed. Normally I, if it's, um, there's been times where people, a PR, someone will reach out and say, do you want to have this person on? And they'll say, you can't talk about this, this, and this. There was a Southern charm person that they, I was pitched and they wouldn't talk about Southern charm. This was like before the season started. And I'm like, no, I don't want to have them on. Cause then what's the point. But if it's someone like big, then I will go along with it. You know, if it's someone I'm dying to talk to or really love or something, then I'll go along with it. But um, yeah, yeah. So I think people can tell. I always feel like I, I feel, I don't want the listeners to think I'm just a shitty interviewer. So that's why I hate when there's restrictions because mm-hmm. I'll think like, I can't tell the listeners, oh, they won't let me talk about this. And I know you guys are wanting me to ask. Or sometimes I'll ask and then the PR people or whoever it is, even outside of Bravo, other celebrities, they'll write me and say, can you cut that out of the episode? So then I always feel like, oh, my listeners are going to think I'm just a shitty interviewer because I didn't ask about that. Yeah, people don't understand the behind the scenes. Actually, my last episode, I didn't name who it was, but I went off on a PR for like 10 minutes that did something. What did they do? What did they do? Um, they, they sent me a really rude email, uh, like a passive aggressive email about, something I had done and like, I had literally like bent over backwards for them and they had like, I had done like pretty much everything that they wanted. And um, yeah, I'm trying not to say too much so people don't know who it is, but I just jumped through a lot of hoops for them and it was just super disrespectful. It was as if I, they just expect me to like do anything. You know what I mean? Like it's like, fuck off. And they were representing like, 
fucking Zealy star. I was like, this person's lucky they were on my podcast. Like, really? So I'm happy not to work with them again. Um, Sometimes it's really <laughs> frustrating. Like, I, I've had a few times where it's like, you're in touch with the PR and they're asking, they make you submit questions beforehand and agree to this, this, and this. They reschedule you a hundred times and then they don't even end up doing it. And it's like, there's one particular a celebrity and actress who was supposed to come on my show. And I, I literally submitted questions two different times and went through all this work. And then they just dicked me around. And it's like, it was so rude. I thought this is not a way to handle business. And I would never say, I, you know, I could go on the microphone, I'm, I'm sure, and like dog him out. But sometimes it's just like, really? I know. I, yeah, I've been dragging a few people actually on the pod. I'm like, I don't mean to, but I just can't help it. And people um, twist too. Like I, I'm even with, when I said that Bethany thing, it's like, cause I, I don't want anyone to twist into me saying, mm, like, I know. And people can listen and, and probably guess that we just weren't quite connecting in a, in a great way. But I, I, you know, she's Bethany. So whatever. Do you think she'll stick with podcasting? I think after the pandemic, I think she'll ditch it. Cause I actually was looking at her stats before. And, um, I mean, obviously her podcast is still super successful, but you know, it's not like number one, like, cause when she came out and it went number one, which pod, new podcasts tend to do because they get Especially, a rush of new yeah. subscriptions and that puts you up in the algorithm, but then to like stay high on the charts uh, post that is really difficult. And, you know, she was all like, you know, I started a podcast and I'm number one, everything I do, I just go straight to number one and I'm like the best. So I don't know if she'll stick with it post pandemic. (laughs) I feel like we see it all the time with housewives or, or reality stars. It's like they do a podcast for three months and then it, it, cause it is hard. It's all consistency. And then Mm. it, it does take a while to grow and everything. And so I think oftentimes Maybe they have really high numbers that first week, people checking it out, but then you just have to stick with it to grow. And I don't know. I listened to some of her, especially when I was having her on, I listened to a bunch of her interviews and I thought they were, some of them were really, really good, but I haven't. I haven't checked in in a while, so I don't know. That's That was the same with me, because I love Bethany. So I listened at the start. I'm like, oh, cool, Bethany has a podcast. And I did listen to a few. And now I'm like, hmm. You know, it's actually, it's not the same. It, it You do get more out of listening to someone, like someone like you, like a real person, as opposed to a celebrity podcast. It's a different level of connection. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, they're bringing back Sex in the City, uh, which I know you're excited about. Yeah. What it'll be other terrible, show- but I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> what other show do you want to see rebooted or brought back? Uh, you know, the, we talked about the comeback. I, I think there hopefully will be a season three at some point. Even though I know Mickey has passed, I think I trust Lisa Kudrow more than any other celebrity talent. Like, I think Mm. she's smart enough to not just put out some shit. So I think, especially with that character, she would make sure it's good. Um, So I'd love that. And then um, did you ever watch Pushing Daisies? No, I don't watch a lot of the shows that you watch. We actually, it's amazing that I'm even a fan of yours because we're so opposite. You know what I mean? Like everything you love, I like hate passionately. Oh my God. But, um, <laughs> well, so you and I was going to tell games. you to watch it, but don't watch it. It was like a, <laughs> it was a one season thing. Maybe was it one season or two? It, it came around during the writer's strike. So there was like a shortened oh. season. I think it was like one and a half season, maybe, but, uh, it was really weird and good and, it was Brian Fuller and like uh, just visually really great. And I always felt like that should have had another season. And um, so that would be good. Isn't it sad how much time we spend watching TV? Like it's insane. I'm- <laughs> well, and uh, do you, do, okay. So now with the podcast, are you finding, do you take notes and stuff when you're watching or how um, do you? 
Yeah, I do. So I'm trying to, with my recaps, I don't want to, I'm trying not to do like blow by blows. I'm just trying to be like, this was the juicy part that was like funny that, you know, I want it to be like a bit broader. So I am doing that, but I'm, I'm forcing myself to watch shows that I would have put off. Like I haven't watched much of Summer House before and I'm like getting ready to just like cram in like, you know, two or three seasons of it before the new one comes along, which is, which is tough. Yeah. I I think you'll like Summer House a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I even liked, I did watch some of when it started, and that's when everyone hated it, and I still thought it was okay then. So, if I thought that was decent, I'm sure that I'll like the the later on. But, I mean, I like, I love all the Bravo shows. The only shows that I really get annoyed with now are The Housewives, all the, like, Southern Charm and Vanderpump Rules, Now Below Deck, like, all of those those type soapy shows. Like Married to Medicine, of course, I love that. Married to Medicine. And, uh, you know, the other shows that I love, I'm really excited for Love is Blind the next season because I was, like, super into that. Uh, love Temptation Island. I keep going on about that every week on the podcast. Have you watched, watched Temptation, Temptation Island? Island? I watched the original yeah. back in the day, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's my favorite. Um what else? Yeah, I'm into Bachelor, of course. But I've been a bit disappointed by The Bachelor lately. I agreed with you that once Claire left, it was just... It got boring. It was just a real snoozer without Claire. Like, she... <laughs> it felt claustrophobic, too, at that. It looked into in. Like, I couldn't... I, every episode I turn on, I'm like, man, I can't even watch these... Them try to, like, make new events on that small area. Well, I mean, it's just, it was a quarantine. I feel bad that that was your first Bachelor season. Are you enjoying the the Matt James season? You know, I, I don't love it, but I love Queen Victoria. I haven't watched it yet. No, I oh. ha- I know I haven't watched it. I, I really did get burnt when I was doing The Bachelorette. It, I got burnt out by it. Like, by the end of it, I felt so relieved because I was recapping it on my show. And those episodes are so long. Mm. And I take notes and I... I was also covering a bunch of other shows. So it was just like, I got burnt out by the time that ended. I was like, okay, I need a break. But I, I think maybe one day I'll binge. Cause I, I did enjoy like, especially the Claire part I thought was great. And I could see wh- how people become obsessed with it. It just, uh, it's very it's not as good consuming. to binge though. It, it is one of those shows that it's more fun to watch with everyone else, like a communal experience. It's not really like a bingey type of show. All right, so you signed a book deal recently. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the book? I don't know how many details you're revealing yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be a book of comedic essays. So um, on my show, I do these little things called like detours where I'll go and tell a story about a, f- a family growing up or something like that. And so it's a lot of similar types of stories like that, not necessarily ones I've already talked about on the show, but um, just a comedic essays so it's going to be a mix it's a a lot of like pop culture sort of woven through it or um so there's like a thread of pop culture and nostalgia and stuff like that um but hopefully they're just like relatable stories and then there's a couple like more dramatic essays but for the most part it's just like i hope people pick it up and have a laugh and uh i'm just towards the tail end of writing it now so it's um it's mostly all done and I'm, I love it. So I'm super excited for it to come. It won't be out until the beginning of next year, but, um, what's the title? It's called detours. Uh, well, oh, I mean, ten- okay. tentatively it's, that's what it is. It might, it could change still, but, um, are you going to, I'm surprised that the publisher isn't like, you need to put everything iconic in the title. I, I mean, it's still possible things could change. And then also there's like the subtitle we still haven't worked out, but, um, Book titles are very long now. It's it's. I know, and there's like this whole thing. Very long. There's this whole thing about like with the subtitle because that's how you 
at the algorithm thing or something. Uh-huh. So I don't know how that'll go exactly, but I'm working with source it- books and they're great. And I'm, I'm so it's not Andy's publisher. No, but I heard your Andy interviewer. You were like, he was like, give me a call. You were like, I will. I mean, truly, I'm so grateful to him because I, at that point, I, my, my agent had like sent the proposal out to a handful of publishers who had passed on it. And then, um, Andy encouraged me to keep going. So I, I reworked the proposal and I remember he said like, you only need one person to say yes. And it was like, um, it kind of pushed me to keep going with it. And I'm so glad I did. And, uh, yeah, it worked out. The publishers that passed are going to regret it. So I feel like some people are still yeah, thank you for stuck in that. the, they're really in the old media world still. Like they don't really don't get that y- you know, with the amount of fans that you have and the engagement that you have and that you, I'm sure you're writing it with your fans in mind, like something that they're going to love. So, yeah. I mean. I think I'm like saying. I've had a good opportunity to like, <laughs> even doing live shows and stuff, I have uh, get to talk to people who listen to my show. And so the, the stories that I'm trying to tell are the things that I hear about the most from people. So, you know, it's not going to be like Bravo or, or anything like that, but uh, hopefully it'll be what my listeners will enjoy. And, and I think it'll be a, a good read. And you can sell copies out the trunk of your car at your live shows. Oh, you know, I will. I will <laughs> yeah. hustle. At the back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. Obviously, I've been a fan me. of yours for a long time. So it's so fun to, you know, to have you on. And I'm glad look, I'm we sure got everyone. To connect. I know. Look, everyone knows where to follow you by now, but you're Danny Pellegrino on social media. Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino is the podcast. It's an amazing podcast. It's probably the most popular Bravo podcast. Like, it's the one that I see people talk about the most. And you have other there's guests a lot too. Of like, great, there's a lot of great Bravo podcasts. You don't know. <laughs> we love all the Bravo podcasts. Yeah, Shout yeah. out to Watch What Crappens. And, we love um, Crappens. We love Bitch And Sesh. Juicy Scoop and Bitch Session. We, we love podcasts. them all. Oh, so many. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're missing some, but there's so many good ones. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Remember, you can follow me on social media at PopInkPod on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe the show. Um, You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts or follow me on Spotify. Next week, I have Blair White coming on. If any of you know who Blair White is, you know, she's super controversial. That was a really fun chat. Um, We really mentioned it all, and... I actually have something that I want to talk about. It's a problematic scandal in the Bravo universe right now. I was going to address it this week, but I just felt like, you know, Danny Pellegrino is so sweet and so squeaky clean, and I do not want to put in a scandalous segment on the episode with Danny. So I'm like, in honor of Danny, let's just keep the episode light and fun and cute, and then I'll go back to my usual problematic ranting and being a hot mess next week. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Bye.